continuing our worship um, from singing and raising hands to sacraments of communion. While the men pass that out, I just, I just want us to remember 500 years before Christians started taking communion, God's people, the Jews, were, were taking communion, uh, almost 600 years. And they were doing this in remembrance of the manna from heaven coming down from God uh, to sustain them. So much would come down, they would only take the portion for the day, and that would sustain them. So they would have their faith in God, not in not in their job, not in their, their material finances, but in that God would provide for them. When Jesus came, he said this, he, he called, not only did he call, you know, the, the bread and the communion, his body, he also said that he was uh, the bread of life. He was that manna coming down from heaven. Um, so when we, when we take communion, we've got to remember the bread represents that we're doing this because we know if we're doing this life, on our own, out of our own finances, our own job, we're nothing more than scavengers. We're, you know, but when we put our trust in God, we're, we're um, receiving everything from Him, because um, everything we have is not our own. Which is why uh, we have the giving board in the back. Say, you know, what we can we can give, we can be generous of our offerings to help these these things the church needs, because God is going to take care of us. God is going to sustain us. So that's, uh, we always forget that that's the, bi the bigger part of that history. So as we take it today, let's not only remember that it's his body and his blood, it's also his, his provision. We take the blood, or that we take the bread so that we can be sustained in this life, and we take the juice, knowing that we, he gives us through his, his uh Sacrifice, he gives us the power to live in the next life. Um, so remember, it's, it's this life and the next life, uh, which is the sacrifice he gave. We'll take the take these together here in a second when everyone has received them. All right, so let's take the bread. John does, let's, let's break it, remembering he said, this is my body it was broken for you, take it in remembrance of me, let's take the bread let's also remember his blood sacrifice he shed his blood so that we can live with him in the next life, we can have real life in this life and eternal life in the next life because his blood was shed for us uh, let's, let's take the, the juice together Father God help us to always remember why we do this why we meet Lord we're not just a club Lord we're followers of you thank you that left your throne on high and came down to suffer and, and die for us, Lord, that we could we can live with you forever, Lord. Help us to never, never forget why we do that. In Jesus' name. You guys want to thank Alan for just leading us in that? Yeah.
morning. And I know we've just taken uh, the communion, but uh, we're going to just get ready uh, to take offering. But I just want you guys to remember the board in back. It's just that we all, all of us can do something and together we can move mountains. And I really believe that. It's not, it's not one person's thing. Like it's, we, one person can't take care of anything, but together, imagine what we can do together. There's a, there's a couple of needs uh, that are uh, going on. I know that Miss Charlene is in the hospital, uh, Terry's mom, and she had a stroke, had a major stroke. And so uh, even yesterday, I got to uh, be with the family and be with her, uh, but just pray with her. Uh, she was actually like, she couldn't see out of one, one eye, couldn't really grasp. But uh, as the day progressed, that as, as she started being able to have her vision back, her grip back. So just know that things are progressing in the right direction. But please, we believe that prayer uh, just moves mountains. Not, not only in our giving, but we know we've seen, we've seen God's miracles in this place. Like, like real miracles where, where, um, where Brooklyn was healed from tumors out of her body just overnight. So we know that God can do anything. So I, and I know that there is miracles that are needing to take place even in this room. That some of us, we come in here carrying such a load, saying, I can't do this, we can't do this. And, 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 and I want you to start believing right now. We're going to pray for you at the, at the end of service. But stop, start believing. And I'm sorry, that's, I'm going to say it's, that's the mid-highs. Uh, so you won't know that if, unless you're a sound person. But, um, but we're start believing that God can do anything that he wants anything. God can heal cancer. God can, God can renew your marriage. If you walked in here heavy in depression, God could give you joy. If you have come in here addicted, God could set you free. Many of our stories in this room is of God moving, of God changing things in our lives. And I hope that you, want, you will believe with me. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to take the offering, uh, but uh, join in with me. Heavenly Father, there's a lot of things going on, God, that uh, we want to accomplish, Lord, and we are getting ready for 2019, Lord God. We want to double down, Lord God, in reaching our community with bigger tables, Lord God, to be better neighbors, in going out on mission, Lord God, in loving our city of Thornton, knowing, Lord God, that you can change lives right where we are, Lord God. It's not a pipe dream, Lord God. You want to do it through your people, Lord God. We want to hire someone, Lord. There's a lot of things we want to do, Lord God, but I pray together we move mountains, together, Lord God, as the body of Christ moving in one direction, Lord God. God, you will move, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus today as we give, we give cheerfully. We give, Lord, with vision in mind, Lord God. And I just thank you for these people, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. Awaken hearts, Lord God, and do your miracles today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys in your giving. Just greet the person right next to you as they're giving. And man, smile at them. Say, what's up? How are you doing? How was No Shave November? Right? It's all over? Oh, it's not over for some. Right? But just very grateful. Yeah. Get to know someone. Get to know someone's name. Isn't it the worst when you're like, hey, hey, guy, hey, buddy? You know, like, isn't that the worst when you don't really know their name, but you've seen them like a million times? And uh, some of us, we're not even good with names, so we're, we're hey, guying or... Christians like to say, hey, brother or sister. That's, like, that's a really good one. Uh, but but I, I, I just want us to actually get to know each other. I think it's very, very important. But today we have a big announcement to give you guys. There's a lot of things going on, but today is a big announcement. 
during, uh, um, I, I want to give you a big uh, backstory before we uh, move forward. But during our time of prayer and fasting in October, we, we were praying and fasting. We were seeking God. God, do something with us, uh, with our church. Uh, how, can we, how can we impact for him? We've gone through the consultation. What else do you want me to do? What, do you, what, do, what, else, what else do you want us to do? How can we move forward? And, and during that time of prayer and fasting, we had a prayer meeting. And we got together and we were praying and we all met at the gathering because we, we meet at a school normally, right? And, and, and when we were praying, that I wasn't even in town, right? I, I set up a prayer meeting and I don't attend it. It's, it's awesome. I was, I was in California and I was like, Candace, you have to go to it. And I was like, Michelle, you got to be there. And she's like, I'm sick. I'm like, I hope you still go there, you know? And, and, but we met with a leader of a church there. Uh, he was one of the elders and found out that we were uh, meet a church plant in Shadow Ridge. And we've been meeting here for seven years setting up and tearing down and he was inquisitive because he was compelled to ask about hill city because of our commitment to one another as a church and our commitment to our city of thornton and and and, and during that time candace was telling me god is up to something he wants to do something with us and 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 the, this led to more meetings and getting to know each other and to find out they had a space open on sunday mornings right so after meeting and prayer and asking for wisdom, I started asking uh, wisdom from other leaders. We have decided to make a bold move into a new location on 120th and York. Yeah. Give God praise. I believe this is going to be a beautiful opportunity for us to be in the heart of the city but, to, but my focus, I don't, want us to sh I don't want us to just go there and get comfortable. My focus is that we are on mission, right? That God has a mission for us to light up our city with the tangible love of Jesus. Spiritually, relationally, and physically. We want Thornton to know Jesus. That no one is too far for Jesus. That, there, that we can build a greater community right in our city with bigger tables. That God has us here to impact the person right next to us in our workplaces neighborhoods the elderly the impoverished those far from god and it reminds me of the prodigal son that, that we want to be a church that makes space for younger brothers to come home and to, to to send out older brothers and equip them to those to get those who are far from the father but this is going to require us to buy in this is going to require faith you with me because i can't do this without you and the leaders can't do this without you. Some of you, God has been speaking to your heart. And at some point, you've got to take a step of faith. I need your prayers. I need your hands. I need your heart. I need your mind, your creativity. I need your sacrificial giving. I need your faithfulness and patience because change is not easy, right? I need your protection of this house from cynicism and gossip. I need more leaders to rise up and get a hold of the vision that God has for them to, with us. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things not seen. And we might not see it yet, but I want you to start seeing in your mind's eye transformed lives. Just imagine the people that you love transformed. Broken people made whole by Jesus. Broken marriages and being fixed. Families serving Jesus together. And with these thoughts, will you join me and join with Hill City? Go with Hill City. Pray with me. Be excited with me. Talk to people with me. Disciple young men and women with me. Rejoice with me in making this a reality. 
so that the next generation would love and know Jesus greater than the last. I believe next generation is not an age group. Next generation are those people who will know Jesus because of your contribution and your love and your trust in Jesus. There is still a lot to figure out, of course, uh, with this move. And, 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 and we'll get you more information every week following. But I want you to know what's ahead for us as a church in the beginning of 2019. Yeah. Man, give God praise for real. Yeah. Really, really big deal. So I want, I want that to start working through you and you thinking about it and start asking God, what, what would you have me accomplish? What would you have me be a, a part of in this, in this moment of move of new? And I believe that God will answer your prayers as we step out in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for all the things that are going on, Lord. And, it, and it, change is not easy. Change takes, Lord, it takes uh, sacrifice. It takes people to move out of their comfort zone so that other people could be reached. Lord God, I pray, Lord, soften our hearts for those who are far from you because we believe Jesus is the very best thing for people's lives, Lord God, and the way you have transformed our lives, Lord, our, 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 our children, Lord God, the things that you have already done with Hill City, Lord God, I pray you move it forward, Lord God, as we take bigger risks, bold moves, Lord God, with our church. Be with us, Lord. Give us wisdom and lead us, Lord God, through your word and, uh, and, and by hand. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Today we are continuing with last week's message. It was called Disconnected. Say Disconnected. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever felt disconnected. Have you ever been in a room and felt lonely, right? Have, as people, you know, I, I, it's crazy because I feel like this sometimes. And if I feel like that, I know you feel like that. Have you ever been in a place and you're like, I, they, they know my name, they know I work here, but they don't know me. They don't know me. We feel disconnected. Connected, And this is part of the series called Pitfalls. How did I get here? Many people come to a place in life where they look at themselves and they say, how did I get here? What happened? And maybe you're here today. And some of you are. I've talked to you this morning. You're, you're like, what happened? But I need to get this together. Because all of us in life, we start out hopeful, don't we? We do. You talk to young, uh, young men and women. You talk to kids. They're very hopeful. But we all face storms and trials of life no matter who you are. You will face storms in life. And some storms, it's very hard to handle. You need people to come around you. There's moments in our lives that we will face compromise. And through it, some people get hurt deeply. Some people get angry, cynical, burnt out. Or at the end, they just feel empty. Yet no matter where you are today, I want to tell you, that's what Jesus came for. He says, there is hope. There is hope for the broken. There's a way out. There's a way to avoid these pitfalls and get out of them. And that's what I want to speak to you today or continue from last week. So if you missed last week, make sure you guys catch up because this is a continuation of that. So as you know, all of us, take out, who has, their, who has a smartphone? No, this is better. Who, who doesn't have a smartphone? Who has an old phone? Anyone have a flip phone? One, two, right? So the rest of you guys, you guys have a smartphone, right? 
It's pretty crazy. All of us have giant computers in our pockets. I remember our first computer was like a Pac Bell 286, right? And that's like, as, and that was like so fast. And we were like, my brother and I, we were playing Sid Meier Civilization on it. Like that's back in the day. And it was like 16-bit graphics. I don't know if you guys were computer nerds. We were two Asians in the house. We were nerds, all right? Right? And we, he would like try to like connect two computers even back in those days. I was like, that was so weird to think about that, right? But we were doing this all, we were so connected. And today, we don't have 286 computers. We have, we have things that get information so quickly. You can talk to your phone now. That used to be just on Star Trek for your Trekkies, right? We have computers in our pockets. We have social media. We have over 500 friends. That's the average person has over 500 friends on social media. We have the internet, and we have access to everything, connections with friends thousand miles away. We got YouTube. You can DIY everything, right? Have you ever fixed your car using YouTube or, on, or you baked a cake from Pinterest, and it didn't look awesome, but you got it, all right? We can get educated in areas that we've never been educated before. You're like, oh, I'm interested in whatever. And you can learn as much as you want. You can even go to, to like uh, prestigious universities. Like Harvard has all their curriculum online. And if you wanted to learn what Harvard kids are learning, you can. It's at your fingertips, right on your phone. It's crazy. I do this sometimes. I catch myself and I'm, I'm on my phone. I don't know if you, and it's like 3 in the morning. I'm like, what am I doing this is going to wreck me tomorrow. But at the same time, this gift of connectedness can cause disconnection. I was telling you that last week there was a, uh, there was a, a research done, I believe, uh, with uh, 7,000 people, research done by UCLA, that loneliness is at, at an epidemic today. Half of Americans, more than half of Americans, adults, report that they sometimes or always feel lonely. And left out. And, and this is crazy because the youngest generation, Generation Z, between 10, the ages 10 to 22, say they feel the most lonely. So that, the, I was thinking, those are my kids, right? And so, some of the, the young adults in this room. Yet, yeah, and, and, and it's funny, those who are over 72 feel the most connected. And we thought they were the most lonely. And they're like, no, we're more connected than you. Or they feel actual connection, deeper connections, right? And, 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 and studies also show that it's not a social media issue because immediately we're like, oh, it's because of games. They're gaming online. They don't know anyone. Or it's because of social media. And, 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 and studies show it's not a social media issue, but a human issue, a cultural issue. Technology is not evil or good. It just amplifies what's already in us. Think about that for a moment. It's not good or evil. It just amplifies what's already there. So if we're self-centered, it amplifies more selfies, right? If, it's, if you're envious, you'll get on Twitter or you'll get on Facebook and you'll see what other people are doing and that envy will start growing. You're like, what about me? What about me? I, I, I hate it. You, I, I was t- telling Rico this morning, I hate putting my face on Facebook. Do you know why? Because I'm chubby right now. And I feel like I look better than that. We have, I have these false pretenses of what I look like. So I'm like, I'm not putting myself up there until I, I, I lose a couple pounds. So you'll see pictures of my kids. Have you ever taken a, a selfie of yourself and, and you've taken it down here? That's a mistake, right? You know selfies come from high because you don't want to double chin it, right? 
It's an, you can't double chin this. So you're like, let me, let me teach you. Let me teach you, John, how to do it, right? And, 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 but why don't we like that? It's because we have an image in our mind that's not our reality. So our image of our mind and our reality starts to space and drift away from each other. Or have you been online and you saw someone else's success and you got upset about it? How weird is that? They're like enjoying themselves at Disneyland. I wish I was at Disneyland. It's because they stole money probably. You know, you, you make up whatever, you know. You're like, oh, it's a, I bet they're having a horrible time there. There's long lines there. They're not having fun. And then if someone would give you Disneyland tickets, you'd be like, woo, but I don't. Let's put that on Facebook, right? Immediately, we have certain thoughts about other people and their happiness, and we want to be happier than them, right? Or when you see people get together, I was talking to Heidi about that. When you see people get together and you're like, why, why did they invite me? What about me? I bet they don't even think about me. And then it was like, when was the last time you asked? I never ask. I need them to ask me. We have these weird thoughts as humans. What about me? It always creeps in. With, and, and what that causes is actually more disconnection. And that's a human problem. It's already in us. And the Bible speaks to this, and I talked about this last week. And if you have your Bible, please turn to James chapter 5. Right? Little brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being Jesus' little brother? Like something breaks. Who did it? It wasn't Jesus. Right? Must have been James. Right? Or it must have been whoever else. It was always not his fault. It would be the weirdest thing. You know what's amazing how you know the Bible is true? How do you convince your little brother that you're God? Like, impossible. Like, I can't, yeah, I can't convince my, my brother to like me sometimes, right? But you, if you can convince your little brother that you're God, you're doing something. And James wrote a whole book, probably feeling bad because most of James's life he did not believe that Jesus was God. He didn't even believe him. He thought he was crazy until Jesus died and was resurrected. And he was like, dude, my brother was God. <laughs> he was crazy, right? And, and so James, in James's writing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you, he's going to teach us about deeper connection, the real connection that we need. James chapter 5, 13 to 16, it says, are any of you suffering hardship? And think about this, and I'm going to ask you this question loudly. You should pray. You're like, all right, I'll try that. Are any of you happy? You should sing, uh, sing praises. Are any of you sick? And sick doesn't mean just physically. The word sick here means are you struggling? Are you frustrated? Have you ever been in a bad place? James says, call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Call your life group leaders, he's saying. He's saying, call your church family and then pray for one another. Prayer is when we take the situation out of our hands and put it in the hands of God. It's not just these magic words. I'm, I'm, sometimes you just, it says like we think that prayers are these memes that people put up uh, just so that, I don't know, they put up like, or you, you put on your cup like Christians have on their cup. No, prayer is saying I'm taking the situation, God, out of my hand because I am not in control. And everything that I tried to do online on Facebook, it, like with my double chins, I tried to be in control of what people Think of me. And prayer is the exact opposite. You are saying, God, I don't care what, what you think of me. I just need you to know I'm taking this out of my hands and putting it into your hands, God. And we do this 
not with just alone, but James is saying we do it in community with others, that others are praying together, that others are praying for Miss Charlene right now, just, not just Terry and his family, but we're starting to combine and saying, God, we want to put this back into your hand. You are the, you are the, the beginner. You, are, you have wrote my, you have begun my story, and you're going to finish my story, so I'm going to trust you with my story. I'm not going to take the pen out of your hand. I trust you, God. That's what prayer does, and that's what's happening in community. And James says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And, and I believe this. As you get the stuff out of your life, right, you start to confess, and you start to pray with each other, and you try to get all this stuff out of the shadows, because the things in the shadows will kill you. Have you ever just tried to hold something tight, try to hide it in you? It starts to rot in you. Have you, ever, have you ever faked it before? You come to church all smiles, but everyone can read you. And they're like, man, what's up? They, we want to pray for you. We can see it on your face, but will you allow people in to team up with you so we can be the body of Christ? That's how it becomes beautiful. And it, and it says, God can move in your situation that way. And if you have committed any sins, I love this part, what James says, and this is pretty strong. And if you know James, the whole book is very strong. He doesn't mess around because he messed around in the beginning of his life, not believing Jesus. And now he's following Jesus with all his life. He actually became the, the leader of the church. The guy who didn't believe became the leader of the church of Jerusalem. All right. And he says, if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Have you ever confessed your sins? To someone else? I, this is not normal, right? In society, we're like, keep it to yourself. This is just between me and Jesus. How many times have you heard this? And then in the Bible, it's like, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. You're like, what? That's not American, James. We like to hide behind how we look, the perfect selfies, the perfect way we want to be seen and felt. And James is like, break all that. That's a lie. Don't buy into the lie. See, you remember when I was saying there has to be a cultural shift. God's way is different. He, God's like, man, just put it out there. Yeah, you might look, you might, it might, you might be the only one who says something, but maybe your confession of sin will set someone else free. Because have, I always say, I call this the fat guy at the pool, all right? When you are the first, when I am the first fat guy at the pool, and I, I'm like, forget it, I'm taking my shirt off, other fat guys take their shirt off. And in the same way, the first person was like, I'm going to just confess my sins and just put it out there. It allows other people to be okay with where they're at in God, where they're at in life. And it frees the church from all its pretense. And we start moving in the right direction, honest with Jesus and honest with one another. Your confession of faith, your confession of sin brings freedom. I'm not saying you're the fat guy at the pool. Usually I am the fat guy at the pool. But sometimes you got to just take your shirt off and go for it, man. It sets other people free. Listen, James is saying don't let sin, don't let evil, don't let bitterness dwell. Don't think, John, I can handle this. I can handle this. We overestimate our strength and we underestimate the power of sin. We underestimate secrets, right? Because one secret, then you got to lie about your secret. Then you got to make sure you keep up on the lies or people will think you're a liar, right? So it's don't let sin, don't underestimate the power of sin. James actually says in James 1.15, desire when it has fully given birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown will bring death. Sin will kill you. It's poison. 
Sin is not this, 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 this thought. No, sin is like when you start, when you know something is evil in your life and it doesn't belong in your heart. And when you start walking with God, God's like, take that out. And you're like, what? It's just, it's just that. It's just a little bit of uh, pornography. It's just a Maxim magazine I hide under my bed, right? And it turns into something else. Some, it's just a conversation I'm having on Facebook that I won't let my wife see or I won't let my husband see. Little things will break you. We think, I got this, I got this. Let me tell you, James is saying, man, I play that game. I don't got this. Maybe it's just a little bit of alcohol that you hide in your car, right? Or, or, or it's just the little things that we think no one cares about. But God is like, I care about it. Because you don't know when that's going to end. You don't know the end of that story. You allow sin and you're actually bringing forth death to yourself and everything and every person that you love. You just don't know. Trust me. And we're like, I'm going to be different. How many times do we have to tell ourselves my story is different and then it ends up the same? Do you know what I mean? I can overcome this and it ends up the same. How many times does it happen in life until you say, maybe God knows better than I do. Maybe God knows me better than I know me. That's why James says confess it. Bring God into the situation and confession connects you to the people. And it sets not only you free, but it sets other people free. And at the end of that verse, it says, because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And righteousness just means that you are submitted to Christ. Because it says we are given Christ's righteousness, meaning that you it's not earned. It's nothing that you can do. It's people who are righteous are people who are like, dude, Jesus, I just trust you wholeheartedly. And I want to walk with you. It's, a, it's an act of sacrifice and surrender you want to see God move who wants to see God move in their life right who wants to see God move in their situations who wants deep connections who wants to get self-aware well I just want to ask you and you don't need to believe in God or what you know you're like oh this Christian stuff is crazy but we have tried it our way I just double dog dare you to try it God's way even if you might just have the little bit of belief in you you're like maybe that'll work I just dare you to trust Jesus. I just dare you. Maybe it's in, 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 maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's the confession of sin. Maybe it's in your giving. You're like, oh, I, I don't do that giving stuff. I dare you to trust Jesus with your giving. I dare you to trust Jesus with your marriage. I dare you to trust Jesus with your kids. I dare you. And then you got to let it go. You can't be control freak after you say, Jesus, it's all yours. And you're like, it's all mine. No, that's the struggle we have internally, right? But I dare you because living differently, man, maybe that's what we're called to because obviously normal is not working. When over 50%, not even 50%, it's like, it was like 68% of the people, 10 to 22, are saying, I feel alone. And there's an epidemic. Do you know everyone from the ages of, uh, from Xers all the way to Generation Z, they feel over 50% feel lonely. That's a lot of people in our world right next to you, no matter what they look like on the outside. They're crying out, I feel alone. This is not working. Yet on, on, on every media platform we're like all smiles right like a gold star for everyone maybe we need to learn to trust jesus more and say you know what jesus i'm going to take you up on what you're saying I, I and you know what this takes 
a couple of things. It takes humility. It takes humility. Giving Jesus the throne of your heart. I wrote down here, like Kendrick Lamar says, you got to be humble and then you got to sit down, right? You got to give your heart to the throne of your heart to Jesus, the authority of your life. If you've done it your way, man, try it his way. Just sit down for a bit and allow God to take control. Now, as, as, how do we apply this to our life? You know, this is all, this is all talk. This is all uh, theory until we apply this into our life, right? What is this going to require of me? Ask yourself that. God, what is this going to require of me? And you might think, man, uh, someone else needs to do this, but I think all of us need to do this. And, and, uh, and, and, and as you're listening to me, oh, to get connected, I just need to put my, uh, my phone down. That's what you're saying. Get off Facebook and watch less, less YouTube and say magic prayers, right? No, it's not that easy. The solution to our problems, it, sometimes it's interesting, right? And, and, and I'm, I'm watching the time. Sometimes it's interesting. We, we, when God asks us to do something, we, are, we try to figure out the minimum requirement of what I can do, right? This is interesting. Okay, all I need to do uh, to follow Jesus, I need to read and then pray and then boom, it's going to be easy peasy. We want the minimum requirement. Can you imagine you're getting married and you're at the altar and you're like, and uh, what is the minimum requirement for this marriage, right? Can, it's not going to work, right? Can you imagine going to your boss? You're like, I really love my job, but what is the minimum requirement to this job without you firing me? But how many times do we do that with God? We're like, I want to serve you, I want to serve you, but what is the minimum requirement of me serving you? Maybe we need to think differently and we say, God, what is this going to require of me? How deep, how can I jump into the deep end instead of the shallow end and play with the babies? Right? Because at some point, Paul even says it, at some point you got to dive in. you got to be all in. And, and, and rather, that's going to bring transformation, strength, and hope. And I believe right from the get-go, our faith is going to take personal responsibility. I am not responsible for your faith. I am not responsible for you. The church is not responsible. The church leaders, I won't, because the church is the body of Christ. The church leaders is not responsible for your faith. The church, naked, leading the children's ministry is not responsible for your children's faith. You are. At some point, we got to get a hold of our personal responsibility. Jen is not responsible for your worship of God. I know you were like, oh, Jen, you didn't sing my song. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. Oh, Alan, Alan did the communion part. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm, I just listened to, I'm going to listen to John instead, right? No, you, Alan is not responsible. Jen is not responsible for your worship. We, at some point, need to take personal responsibility when God says, man, I have given you the will, free will, to worship me with all your heart. Don't, and, you, and sometimes we just golf clap. And we're like, that's enough, right, God? Minimum requirement. I smiled and golf clap. No, at some point, it's on us. So I want us to write this down, right? Number one, we need to learn, and I'm going to repeat again, the art of conversation. You want to get connected again? You need to learn the art of conversation. You, uh, to fight our self-absorbed absorption and looking at ourselves, we have to develop a heart for others. And a heart for others comes through conversation. When was the last time you had a long conversation for hours, right? You're just like, that 
was amazing. And I love going backpacking with Paul. You know why? Because there's nothing on your phone. Your phone don't work, right? It, it doesn't work. And so you got to have conversation. And, and so we start talking and chatting about all sorts of things. It becomes beautiful. And, 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 and the art of conversation means you're going to listen to people's stories. And you might have heard it before, right? But you got to let them talk and just shut our mouths. When we think we always have something to say, and this is my problem, just be around me. I always think I have something good to say. It's because I think I'm more important than others, right? We, we, we get, we're like, I, I know what, I know what, to, I know the answer. Christian, I know the answer to your problems, buddy. Let me talk. You don't need to say, no, when we allow people to talk, we're saying we want to hear you out. Yet when we take interest in others more than ourselves, it's a form of dying to ourselves and practicing loving others the way we want to be loved, genuinely learning about them, asking better questions. If your conversation isn't good, you, you need to learn how to ask better questions, right? And really listen. And this, and when you are a person that can have beautiful conversations, people will want to connect with you. They're like, oh, I want to be around Justin. He asks the right questions. He actually wants to know what I'm going through. He wants to know what I'm thinking, not, not these quick answers. But that takes discipline because it's true. It takes discipline. I have to actively say, shut up, John, because all you want to do is talk. I talk for a living, right? And now all I want to do is talk. So I have to tell myself, shut up. Stop talking. They hear them out. You're not that important. Sit down. Sit down, right? Number two, disconnection to get connected. Disconnect to get connected, right? At some point, we got to jump out of the matrix. I call it the matrix of the busyness in life. And, and, and it's very, very interesting. I was, I was uh, listening to Elon Musk on a podcast, right? And, I, and this is what I do. And even at 2 in the morning, I was listening to him. He said, and he was like, guess what? You're already a cyborg. And I was like, I'm not a cyborg. He's like, I bet you, he's like, I bet you can't do life with in, in, for one week without your phone, without computers, without the internet. I bet you can't even live life without it. And I was thinking, That's, is that true? D- then I looked at my screen time. I, I was in California, and I looked at my screen time. Have you ever looked at how many hours you're on the phone? Scary. I looked at, I, and one day it said eight hours. I think, What? Eight hours of listening to stuff, listening to music, on the internet, chatting, text, emails. I'm like, I'm on that for eight hours one day out of 24? So I put this thing called screen time on, and it alerts me every time. And and it says, put your phone down. That's what it tells me. Because when we are connected right here, have you ever been at dinner? And I was was at a pizza place yesterday, and there was tables full of people, and they were doing this and not doing this. And guess what happens when you don't have just talk? You miss out on people. Yeah, you, you miss out on what's going on. Because people don't tell you their lives like, oh, right, let's sit down and tell each other each other's lives. No, it doesn't happen. It happens when you're doing something together, right? And as you're, as you're getting somewhere, when you're in a car and you're saying, are we there yet? You start to tell stories. In these moments, they're not, they're not like, all right, let's sit down. Let's sit down, me and you. And we're going to, Dean, we're going to just tell each other important stories. It doesn't happen that way. It naturally happens in the meanwhile, right? And so when we cut out the meanwhile and we're only on this because we want to disconnect because we can't control it, that's a problem, right? So how do, what do we need to do? We need to make sacred spaces. 
Candace and I, we've decided to not have a TV in our bedroom, right? You would think we would have way more kids. <laughs> we only have three, right? Yeah, we should. Uh, but we, we decided to do that because we didn't, want to, we didn't want to just sit there watching TV and disconnect. So we took, the, we, from the beginning of our marriage, we have never had a TV, except for one time we were addicted to 24, and we had a TV in our space. Then we had to take it out, right? So we made it a sacred space. Maybe you need to make some sacred spaces at home. Maybe at dinner time, maybe when friends are over, you just put that phone away. Put it away. Don't even, don't even do this to people, right? Don't even do this to people. Uh, you, have you, I was, or you look at it and you're like, oh, it wasn't important. Isn't that weird? Like there's someone right in front of you and you're like, and then you looked at, oh, it wasn't that important. Like meaning that if it was important, I would have walked away from them as I'm having conversation. Man, what is that showing the people that we love? And I was asking myself, what is that showing my daughter? What is that showing my son? Maybe we need to disconnect to get more connected. And, and number two, we're the adults. Parents, we're adults. If you don't like what your kids are doing, change the culture. Be a culture maker. Because our culture is going one direction. If you want to change it, don't complain about it. Be a culture maker. And practice turning off your phones. Turn on screen time and let it tell you, yeah, you've been on this too long. Number, and uh, adding that, I put practice turning off your phones. And number three, love is spelled time. Love is spelled time. You know, uh, I read a book. It says it takes at least 15 minutes of conversation with your child until they start really telling you what they feel and think and what they're going through. Are we giving at least 15 minutes of conversating until they say, you know what I really feel, mom or dad? This is what I'm actually going through. It takes time for them to open up. It takes time for you to open up. It's not automatic. So as, as, as we're closing today, let's stand. One of my favorite teachers, and I, I know I'm over just a little bit. One of my favorite teachers, his name is Dallas Willard. And he was asked, he was asked, I know I always talk about Dallas Willard. I, I apologize. I was talking to Christian about Dallas Willard. Uh, but he was asked, what, what can I do to become more spiritually healthy? This man is brilliant. He was a, a philosophy, he was the head of philosophy at USC. Just this brilliant monster of a man. And he, and he says, what can I do to be more spiritually healthy? And he said boldly, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then the man asked, because he didn't like that answer, what else do I need to do? And he said, no, that's it. That's it. And I thought it was weird at first, but I started thinking, hurry kills so many things, right? Including intimacy with friends, connections, to know God, you have to learn to sit down and spend time with God. To pray, you got to be quiet and not have things in your ear or just constantly, constantly feeding your mind. You just have to say, God, what do you want to say? To seek, to listen, to know people, you got to care enough to converse and listen. To know yourself, I think this is huge in our world. We don't know ourselves. We don't know ourselves. You need to pause and ask yourself, do I like the person I'm staring at? Is there confession going on in my life? When was the last time you sat to know yourself and ask yourself, why am I struggling like that? Why did I explode on my kids when they acted that way? Because there's things in us that we did not deal with. And so we get to know ourselves.
Hurry keeps us distracted from God, from others, and ourselves. And, uh, there was a, a, a quote that says, if the devil can't keep, uh, devil can't make you bad, he'll keep you busy. So maybe today you need to confess, man, I'm addicted to, to busyness because I don't want to face myself. I don't want to face my past, maybe my present reality or my family, my sins. Maybe you need to ask yourself, is hurry keeping me from the people God is calling me to? Let's just bow our heads. I want to ask you these questions. Is hurry keeping you from the people God has called you to, from the people that need you? Is hurry keeping you from really knowing Jesus? Is hurry keeping you disconnected from people? This morning, confess it. Confess it. Heavenly Father, just speak to us right now, God. There's some things in our life that we need to confess, Lord. And it's, it gets harder and harder in the culture that we live in. But I believe that if, if we need to live differently, if normal's not working, be weird. Let's create new cultures. Confess it. And as we're praying, if you're in this room, man, I'm telling you, Jesus' way, just try it. If you have never walked with Jesus in this room before, I want you to take a step of faith. Step of faith of saying, you know what? I don't know everything. But I need, I know I need to start walking with Jesus. And if that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to try it your way. Thank you. Thank you. I believe he is faithful. He is faithful to walk with you. Maybe you feel like your entire world is dark. I'm telling you, there's hope in Jesus. Maybe you feel like you are just addicted. I'm saying you can be free in Jesus today. Maybe you walked in here a victim, but you can leave here with chains broken. Maybe your past is messy, and you feel like you're defined by it. But I want to tell you, your story's not over. God is still writing. God wants to change your heart more than your situation. Your problem is not your circumstance. Your problem, I believe, is found in a hard heart towards God. And as we walk towards Him, towards a loving Savior, He is going to bring hope to your life. Will you trust Him today? Be with us, God. Be with us today. I pray you set people free as I, they hear my voice in Jesus' name. Give God praise. Yeah. I have one last homework for you guys. And you can do this with your spouse or not. You can do it alone. But today, if you get when make some time and write down a to-do list of how God is speaking to you. And also write down a to-don't list. There's things that we do that we actually need to take out of our lives. I think that's wisdom for you today. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Yeah.